Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to Smoke Show. This is Claire. It's once again a little bit later. Honestly, wasn't planning to record today, but then my date fell through. So here we are. <laughs> I'm going to make the most of tonight. And now that I don't have all of that nervous energy that sucked up my entire Sunday, um, I feel ready to go. I have such a packed next few days and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to fit it all in, but it's like not actually stressful. So it's just... I don't know how I used to live and work in a different place than where I live and reside, but um, I used to be much better at balancing things in life, I think. Now that I'm like spoiled, I just, I don't know how I used to do it. But anyway, today I wanted to keep talking about cheaters, but in um, not the relationship sense, but in the sports sense, because, oh my God, cheating scandals just keep happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if everybody's just like at their wit's end and like, I don't know if it's just like Mercury retrograde secrets coming to the surface. I don't know what the deal is, but I feel like every single day I log on to Twitter and a new obscure sport that I never think about has had a major cheating scandal. <laughs> now I have to learn everything about it. And we're still as a culture obsessed with what happened with the Try Guys. And just to get this tip top out of the way, um, I've been fascinated with the response to the Try Guys and then their response video. I think, you know, classic all lower caps with a period at the end, just what happened. And then their first podcast was called like, you know, we're, let's talk about it or something. Same, same vibe. Not to bring up Trisha Paytas, but I always think about Trisha Paytas talking about how she used to label her drama videos. And she was like, yeah, to make it more authentic, you know, like no caps or just one word or just use the raw file name that uploaded. Like, I love that kind of insider-y shit. And I think Trisha um, is not, you know, a good presence to have on the internet. I think she's a net negative. But um, I do think what she provided in spades was a lot of insight into how her brain really worked when it came to that kind of stuff. Because I think she was willing to talk about it um, because she had been a creator for so long. And yeah, with the Try Guys, it's been really interesting. Last night, SNL did one of what I think like one of the worst received sketches they, they've ever done, where they mocked the idea that taking like a workplace sexual harassment lawsuit seriously is a problem. But let's not get into SNL and how they don't take any fucking problems seriously. Um, I will link it, a trigger warning for like sexual assault of a minor. But um, it turns out that like Horatio Sands and Jimmy Fallon like were at, like, Horatio Sands is the one who like is being sued in the lawsuit. But it was a girl who ran a Jimmy Fallon fan page who had been invited to SNL and like groomed by both men and then like sexually harassed and like um like anyway, it's disgusting. Basically, everybody at SNL knew about it who was there, which is a really big bummer, but not a surprise. That place is fucking evil. And when you look back at like the fact that, you know, it if your workplace is constantly centered around this question of like, is it still a boys club? Like that means it never has not been, even when there were girls there. But oh my God. Yeah. It just like Lauren, the, one of the only female writers in the first few years was married to Lauren. Like, this has been a problem from the beginning. So it was it's interesting how poorly it was received, the SNL sketch, and how well they did with their apology. And I think everybody is still, like, not everybody. That's such a weird generalization to make. But online this week, I saw a lot of reaction of people being like, I still don't fucking care. And it's like, yeah, nothing says you don't care, like, reacting like that to seeing some fucking news articles. Like, people being like, there are real problems going on in the world. There are real problems going on in the world every single day. The human brain cannot comprehend how 
many real problems are going on in the world. We need light social stuff. And also, like, social stuff is really important to us because we get to have, like, our own personal feelings about it. I understand that people are, like, upset that they use the word trauma to describe what they're going through. But I think actually finding out that your friend is a total asshole and you have to disintegrate the company that you've spent the last decade of your life working on. Yeah, I would say that's a traumatic incident. That's fine. It's not your trauma. It's not the audience's trauma. They are treating it as such because I think it's interesting that the internet kind of demands that from creators. You have to talk to your audience this way. They had to make a statement video. The statement video is very well done. They were honest. They were straight. They were honest. They were as honest as they could possibly be about a situation where they're not going to say what actually happened because there was sexual harassment in the workplace. And I did appreciate that they highlighted that um, we don't know the story and Alex was a subordinate. So no matter what, the lines of consent are not really possible. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's really wild what has happened, what has gone down, the reaction to it. But I think what um, I'm still seeing from traditional media people and just people who didn't know what the try guys were. And I think a lot of people, when they feel this out of the loop, they get really defensive about like, but it doesn't fucking matter. These guys are fucking garbage. And it's like, yeah, nobody's saying anything on YouTube is particularly groundbreaking. I say being like, there's an NFT documentary that completely taught me everything I know about NFTs and how bad they are. And it's perfect. I love YouTube. I'm not trying to disparage the medium of YouTube. I think the Brony documentary is also one of the best things that's ever happened. I just like the Brony documentary that Jenny Nicholson made, not the Brony documentary that she talks at length about how bad it is in her Brony documentary that was nominated for a Hugo Award because YouTube sometimes crosses over to the real world in a weird way. Please get off the desk. I meant to feed you before I started this. Okay, so... The Try Guys, um, I think, did a very good job with the apology. It sounds like, um, not to be like, I was correct, but Conjection Corner was, or Conjecture, Wild Conjecture Corner, uh, was correct in that they are not going to name a new Try Guy. I did, of course, listen to the hour-long podcast of Keith and Zach talking about it, and, like, they got a little bit shady at one point and talked about how, like, Ned copied the font that they used for their press release and so it wasn't like a joint statement they didn't plan that together and I did think that that was good gossip um and it sounds like that you know maybe they felt a little bit held back by the fact that they were kind of stuck in being I don't want to say it's like a kids channel but like it is a very like pg family friendly channel And they, you know, Zach talked a little bit about, like, bringing more of their projects in rather than going out. And somebody pointed out in, like, I don't know, if I'm reading the Try Guys subreddit still next week, something's wrong. But it pops up on Reddit now. And, like, when you scroll through, it's like, you visited this subreddit recently. And, like, I don't like algorithms like that because then I do end up scrolling. But somebody mentioned on there that... Ned never really had his own show. Like Keith has Eat the Menu and Eugene has one and Zach has one. And Ned never really had anything that took off. So it's very possible that he was pushing a lot more. Like this is wild conjecture, but I do believe it's possible that he was much more um, set into doing four guys try things because that's really where he was able to like have his bread and butter. That was what he knew, you know, did well and that he was involved in. And I could see that because I think like, I don't, I never watched their documentary, but I remember a clip from it where he gets upset because they cut something that he had done. And like, anyway, not to be like, he always seemed like a bad person to work with because I don't think that that's like possible or true um, to see from videos that they put out. But I just think it's interesting how the three guys that are remaining are definitely like 
in it to win it. They've got contracts. It's interesting that they had to be like, yeah, he's going to be in videos coming up because it's sponsored content. We signed a contract with four people. It also sounds like Ned didn't go quietly, which I just thought was, you know, interesting. Um, They can't say a lot, but it just, from the things that were implied in the podcast, it felt to me like there was a little bit of resistance. But anyway, that's all I really wanted to say about the Try Guys is people are still having outsized reactions to it. But what I really want to talk about today is sports. And I'm not going to get into um, any of like the recent cheating scandals because I honestly don't know that much about any of them. But like the poker one isn't cheating. She didn't cheat. She's just good at poker and men are whiny piss babies who are really mad about it. So good job. Love her. Love all the clips coming out of her doing it to the same guy over and over again. Um, he's an asshole who should absolutely be apologizing. He's like trying to say like he donated the money now or something. And it's like, he's still not apologizing to her. And just to be a woman and to like win and then have that called into question just because like the man can't stand the fact that he lost. It's just like so lame. Um, but the fishing scandal that happened recently where it turned out the guys had stuffed lead and fish fillets into their fish. Um, the chess scandal, which... I do have to say the clip of that guy getting up and being like, I will not participate in this tournament is so funny. It's interesting that the guy turned out to actually be cheating. Um, Just as I got on tonight, uh, they're doubting if the Padres had pitcher had like an ear thing in or something. There was like Vaseline on his ears. I don't know. There's not enough information yet, but I just think that with sports, We know that there's a lot that happens that we are not privy to in terms of the way people train. And I think that there's been quite a bit of like roid trickle down. And I think that steroids and human growth hormones and just even like protein culture (laughs) where people are just obsessed with protein. Also, it turns out that because of our obsession with protein, Um, A lot of the urine going through, like, waste management systems is now, like, way more acidic and, like, bad and toxic. Um, So America's obsession with protein is um, also going to kill the water supply. Isn't that cool? So anyway, um, I ultimately I do want to talk about Lance Armstrong because otherwise I will have watched so many documentaries about him and purchased the 30 for 30 episodes um, that he has for nothing. Um, And that can't be true. So we got to talk about it. But I just think that sports are one of those things. Now, this isn't like cheating related, but I do just want to talk about this horrific article that happened that was written about the Tua situation. I don't watch football, so I don't know if that is how this man's nickname is pronounced. But um, there was a Miami Dolphins player who was hit, clearly had a concussion, got up. Um, flew and played a game, hit, got another concussion, was making motions with his hands that are very, like, tied to concussions. Like, we know that this is a concussed thing to do. And he was approved to play the game. He could have died. Um, apparently on the plane, he was also watching his iPhone, which means that he was not given, like, correct concussion protocol of, like, don't look at flashing screens. The brain is such a delicate thing. And um, football really does just absolutely not want to deal with the reality of CT, but the reality of CT is it's not only the football players that are putting their bodies on the line and dying. They are, there are multiple cases in which families have 
been murdered by the men who have CTE. And like, that's just horrific. And that could stop. But we don't want to stop having football in this country because it makes five people money. Um, So Kathy Hochul, you know, uses $500 million and puts it into the Buffalo Bills stadium because that's what matters is the Buffalo Bills having a new stadium, despite the fact that they're owned by a billionaire. Why can't he just re... Can't he build them a new stadium? Why is the state of New York building a private stadium that doesn't get used? There's $500 million? We couldn't have put that into schools? No? Nothing? Okay. Great. The subway, perhaps? The most used public transport in the Northern Hemisphere every day? No? Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So glad I have to vote for her because the other person is a nutcase and there is no other option and she refused to do debates and people don't vote in the midterms or care about who the governor of New York is, apparently, despite the fact that we are the second largest economy in the United States. And uh, uh, Wall Street is here. Anybody want to regulate that? That could happen within the state. Doesn't even have to be federal. Anyway, talking about regulations, let's talk about doping regulations. So I do think that doping is just prevalent in every single sport. Um, before coming on here, it was rewatching some clips that I will link to in the description by Victor Conte, Victor Conte. I don't know. He didn't say his name, um, but he was the U.S. doctor and he was eventually busted for helping U.S. athletes, particularly a few runners run and do a doping program. And I just think doping is one of those things that has clearly been happening more and more frequently because as the drugs get better, they get harder to detect. I think that learning so much about Lance Armstrong (laughs) has really given me a lot of context for looking at doping in sports in general because what he was doing was so extreme because cycling does actually have a shit ton of controls around doping. But part of why in the 90s, all of the bikers were able to get away with doing EPO is because they didn't have a test for EPO. They still don't really, like, they they can only detect its presence in, like, high blood cell counts. Like, it's fucking nuts. Um, but EPO was illegal, but they were all doing it and getting away with it because there wasn't a test. And so that's, that's how easy it was. But I do think as more and more athletes do steroids, do performance-enhancing drugs, do P- or PEDs, the more it trickles down into just like gym culture. And I think like, unfortunately, men have now really fallen into like diet culture, but we rebranded it as gym culture. And so all these people who are eating just chicken breast and broccoli, which is not enough. That is not enough nutrients. I hate it so much. Like, (sighs) Chicken breast and broccoli does not have your enough nutrients for the day. It doesn't. Humans are supposed to eat various foods to get various nutrients. Like, the only thing that is fortified with all of our vitamins and minerals is, like, children's cereal. And that's because they know that a lot of parents actually don't know that their kids need, like, copper and magnesium and all of these things. So they're like, we'll put it in the thing that we advertise and tell them to feed their children. So that's a fun fact about cereal. That's why it says, like, fortified and stuff. Like, there's very, there are a few other fortified foods, but, like, it's rare, you know? Like, it's, like, orange juice is fortified with vitamin D. It's like, yeah, you got to get that vitamin D, but this shit tastes like chalk for some reason. So um, I am interested in what cheating does to the, the game of sports. 
I'm not a big sports fan. Oh, I didn't finish talking about the Tua thing. Um, so the Tua thing, he so somebody wrote an article for New York Magazine, and I don't want to link to it because I read it and was like infuriated. But basically, he talked about how the doctors who approved him got fired, and there's calls for reinvestigation. And then he basically says like these guys know what they signed up for. Um, which I would argue they don't. There are literally medical professionals who gave him poor advice because they wanted him to keep playing a game where he puts ball in front of somebody else's, you know, like, uh, I don't care enough about any sport to say that it should survive after something terrible happens. And with American football, it's not safe to play. If all of these people are getting injured, then we need to change the rules. I feel like hockey is a really good example of a, of a sport that like got a lot less violent and it's fine. It's good. People are still watching it just as much as they used to. Turned out we didn't actually need cross-checking. I do think it's really interesting that in hockey, like the your protectors used to be just as important as your front guy. Like when fucking Leclerc was traded, he brought his two protectors with him at all times because he knew that he was going, you know, people were going for fucking blood with him. So it, sports can evolve and change is my point. And I just think like. I don't think rugby is a perfect sport either, but they're certainly getting less head injuries and they're basically achieving the same thing. And Americans could just learn rugby. Um, you know, scrums are fun. What doping does is it uneven, you know, it's an uneven playing field. And then you get these people who do it because they think everybody else is doing it. And what happens in a sport where everybody really is doing it? Because that's cycling. So we'll go back to that. But I think that with a lot of sports just we're having a lot of stories come out that really make sports like not a fun thing to watch and engage with because it's like with like with gymnastics I get this feel I could just get this like haunted feeling a lot of times when I watch it of just like are you okay did anything happen um you know like they're still in 2017 they were still using the ranch as like a place for these girls to go train and it's like I don't think you should be in a place where that much bad stuff has happened um, I also think with gymnastics that, like, if your sport is best done by 14-year-old prepubescent girls, like, you have not, you have, um, that's not a sport that's, like, a children's activity. But I do think with gymnastics, there's actually a very fascinating ex, um, not ex-gymnast, she's, like, currently competing again. Um, she was a former Olympian. Her name is Chelsea Memel, and she's now in her 30s, and she does training, and she posts about it on her Instagram, so I haven't caught up with it in a while. Um, but she was talking about how she's like in the best shape of her life and it's because she doesn't do a ton of repetitions and like ruin her body she does like workouts but marta caroli used to try to keep all of the girls as thin as possible because thin girls go higher and chelsea memel's basically like i'm arguing that with leg muscle you go higher and with good conditioning and strength and actually eating and then I think what we saw this last year with the Russian gymnasts who are all extremely thin and doing quads, which it turns out are super punishing on your body. And like, we're never going to see those girls again. They're going to age out of the sport by the next Olympics and it's and their bodies will be too damaged to continue skating. And basically like every single person who goes through that program comes out twisted. And I don't understand how that coach is still coaching, but I do because I've watched the movie Icarus. If you haven't seen the movie Icarus, it's an incredible <laughs> documentary about doping and cycling, or at least that's how it starts. So the guy, I think I haven't watched it in a while because it's so, the first time you watch it, I really think it's one of those movies that I'm like, oh, if you haven't seen it, you should skip this. But if you haven't seen it at this point, I don't know, maybe this will get you to watch it. But um, 
the guy goes to try to get a doping program that can pass tests because he wants to see how much better he can get at cycling if he's on a doping program because he's heard that basically all of these guys are. And an American doctor agrees to do it and then backs out, which I always thought was interesting. And then he, but he hooks him up with this Russian doctor. The Russian doctor turns out to like work for the Russian state lab. And the movie ends up being about how the Russians basically got away with all of what they got away with when the games were in Moscow and they won that year. He was the guy who ran the lab, but he was also one of the heads of like the international PED, you know, like the USADA people. So like, it's just like, like when your governing bodies are corrupt with things like this, I don't know what hope the sport has. And with state-sponsored doping programs like Russia and like, um, I'll link to it, but the Victor Comte, Conte, Victor Kant is probably his name. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to pronounce it six ways and they're all going to be wrong. Uh, he gave an interview about why he believes that Jamaica's running and sprinting records are quite suspicious. And he breaks down basically like, the fact that you can just, if you're a very small country, you can always hold the people at the airport while your athletes cycle off because a lot of these drugs have short half-lives. These are not like two-day drugs. And he talks in another thing about how like you can have up to two missed tests before you get a third one. That's a no-show penalty. And so you can kind of play the game and you can tell them you're going one place and then go somewhere else and do heavy steroids for two that take two weeks to cycle off of. And you just kind of got to hope you're not going to get a test in that time. And then if you don't, you're good and you can do it again. And you can have two failed tests before you get a strike on the third one. Like, and you can have more no-shows. So it's like, it's really easy to avoid testing if you want to. And so it's not that it's hard to cheat. It's, I think like it does become like a moral question, but what I think is interesting about Lance Armstrong and why keep going back to talking about him or seeing it through this lens is like what do you do when literally everyone is cheating and the only way to compete is to cheat and you're like on this guy's team and he's he's handing you a little baggie and telling you what to do and with a lot of cycling what's interesting is like his teammates only ratted on him after they got caught basically and like yeah you can probably pin it on lands that they got caught especially tyler hamilton but it's you know it's interesting to see who cycling had a vested interest in protecting and of course it was lance armstrong because his narrative is just like so incredible like when you look back at what we were sold it's like yeah i want to believe that and like the interesting thing i think one of the most interesting things and i'm gonna say interesting a lot in this i can already tell his entire career did change because of cancer because his coach slash like you know doping uh doctor dr michael ferrari from ferrara italy um he basically said that because lance lost all of his muscle during chemo they were able to build the correct muscles the next time around because before lance armstrong did just competitive bike racing like cycling he did triathlon so he was like much beefier so they were able to lean him out and so Mikel ferrari like does say like they built a different athlete he just had lance's same drive because no matter how many documentaries you watch about lance armstrong they never fail to say that he was quite good and i do think that that's the thing about steroids is like it's often like yeah okay so how much was the steroid and how much was the guy because with lance if everybody's cheating 
is he just cheating the best? And like part of that is, yeah, because as soon as he started getting money, he made Ferrari his private doctor so that nobody else could go to the guy who was really fucking good at doing doping programs. And he's like known to do doping programs, which is why it's so funny that for years everybody was like, no, he's definitely not cheating. And when everybody else is doing it, it's like, okay, so if everybody's doing it, is Lance still the best? Because, like, everybody else was also doing these drugs or, like, they just weren't doing enough of them or they weren't doing them well enough or whatever. And I think also a lot of people think that Lance Armstrong was, like, taking steroids. He was... This is gross, but he was blood doping. So they would, like, go ride hard in the mountains and get blood, their, their blood extra oxygenated, and then they would take it out and put it in baggies and then they would put it back in their bodies in the middle of the bus oh disgusting they used to dispose of syringes and diet coke cans they would like all like shoot up with epo inside of the bus like they often did stuff kind of in plain sight because it was the easiest way to like not get caught but like tyler hamilton once put the wrong blood bag in his body and nearly died and he also was like he has some really gross stories but he talks about how he was in Spain and they did it and um he left and his arm was still bleeding and so he was just like dripping blood on a sidewalk um but I think that with cycling it's like okay but everybody still agrees that Lance Armstrong was like an incredible athlete who was still really good at this and so you have this kind of question of like okay well if everybody was doping and he was doping is it still the same level of cheating and it's like yeah because you're lying to people and it's like okay but like there there were probably literally no clean riders (laughs) and it is the difference between people who are doing EPO versus another thing because um there's this is a wild statistic but like it's a hundred hour bike race the Tour de France and the only reason we cared about it at all as a country was because of Lance Armstrong. Um, it is incredible how much he made an entire sport. Just took it on his back all the way across the pond. So the Tour de France is a 100-hour race. The difference between first place and last place is usually about two hours. So that's 2% difference. EPO gives you about a 10% improvement. So if you're taking EPO and the guy in the back is not, that is a super unfair advantage. Suddenly you're talking about a 12% difference and that's just unfathomably larger, right? Like 12 hours behind the leader, that would be a very different scenario. But I think with Lance, and I think this is true of a lot of crimes, is that the cover-up is worse than the crime because what he did is he bullied people into, like a lot of his teammates, it's interesting because they're kind of split on it. Like Hank Cappy, who's like still friends with him and like does a podcast with him like to this day, um, is like, we weren't bullied. We all chose to do it. Frankie's lying. Frankie Andreu and Betsy Andreu, who <laughs> is the only, one of the only people who ever stood up to Lance and like was absolutely dragged through the mud for it, along with a masseuse named Emma O'Reilly, who Lance tried to say was a prostitute, did not, did not try to say, did say was a prostitute in like his legal court case here. It, he says that that is his biggest regret, that that is like the worst thing he did is how he treated Emma O'Reilly. And like, it's good to hear him say that the worst thing he did was that because it is truly despicable how he treated so many people. And I think he intimidated people and he bullied people and he is a piece of fucking work. And I honestly, if you're going to watch one thing, the 30 for 30 documentary is well done. 
in that they have a lot of people hi boo talk about they have a lot of people talk about how charming he is and how disarming he is and they kind of try, I feel like they kind of try to give like the documentary filmmakers like a lot of the documentarians a lot of like don't let him get off topic don't let him change the subject like you got to get answers on this but i mean like it, cycling is such a weird sport and like the best part of the documentaries the best part of watching anything about cycling is seeing the tour de france footage where there are cars driving right next to the bikers there's some footage where they're in the car with johan bernil and he is driving who was the coach of a lot of lance's teams and definitely one of the biggest like proponents of doping in the sport um he and another guy are driving right next to each other and they get like super close like the domestiques have to go up to the windows to get like water bottles that they're stuffing in the back of their cycling shorts um it's nuts but then you also just see these people standing on the side of the road like waving flags and like running alongside the bikers and sometimes they'll like shove at them because they're like getting swarmed by people as they're trying to go up this hill and they're going so slowly that people are like running next to them but they've been biking for like 17 days at that point and the tour de france literally has always been always had cheating people used to stop and get beer so i just think that's a fun fact um, when like the even playing field doesn't exist, like what do you do? And I'm not trying to say that his former teammates only came forward because they got caught. I think they also got caught by their conscience and other things. But I think that, you know, even when they talk about it now, they're kind of like, yeah, we, we all did it because that's what you did. That's what you had to do. Like you were either, you were either going to do it or you were going to get dropped and you only had one contract. But one of the big reasons that Lance eventually got caught is because there was investigations because it was the U.S. Postal Service that sponsored their team. And the U.S. Postal Service cannot be used to send drugs or launder money for drugs. So that was where that grand jury investigation came from. (laughs) It's state-sponsored doping, but for the Tour de France so that Trek can make more money. Trek, Oakley, Nike. Those were like the, and it's interesting to hear Lance talk about like the day he got caught because he still calls it like, you know, his $40 million day and he lost all this revenue. And it's like, yeah, dude, you lost a ton of revenue because you got caught cheating when you had made your entire career about the fact that you weren't cheating. <laughs> like, again, I don't know that the downfall would have been so bad if it, if he hadn't spent so long covering up the crime. Um, this is, you know... If you've made your entire personality that you're a guy who doesn't do drugs and then you turn around and you go on Oprah and you're like, yeah, I did this drug and this drug. It's kind of like, okay. Um, And unfortunately, he had a ton of hubristic fucking shit out there because like I read his um, autobiography. It's not about the bike in like fifth grade. Like he was a huge folk star at that time, I feel like. And so he had that and then he had that Nike ad that was like, what am I on? I'm on my bike. (laughs) Hey, buddy. We get it. I think the thing about Lance is like he does come off as an asshole. He does talk about how he was a bully in the Peloton. They show like this really awful thing where he bullied a fellow rider and that rider like still only gets only is known for that. I think like they talk about Omerta a lot and they're like, there's Omerta. And then some of the people are like, it's not Omerta because they don't back you up when you get called out everybody's out for themselves mafias aren't just out for themselves they protect the family these fuckers aren't protecting family and i think that that was 
very true about Lance. It's like if you crossed him, he dropped you and he had the money and the power and the connections because celebrity really does get you a lot. And I think celebrity is very interesting in that way because we don't look at, we don't want them to, we don't want it to be true. You know, it would have been nicer if Lance Armstrong was genuinely that good. It would have been so cool. And the 30 for 30 documentary goes into a lot of what he did for cancer um, survivors and survivor advocacy. It is really interesting. There's a woman who basically has started an entire foundation within Livestrong to help get parents who are diagnosed with cancer short-term fertility treatments so that they can go on to have children after chemo because one of the big side effects of chemo that most doctors apparently don't tell you about is infertility. And so this woman was sitting in a doctor's waiting room and read a People magazine article about how France, how Lance had frozen his sperm before chemo. And so that's how he was able to have a kid with his wife afterwards and she had no idea that that was a possible and so she learned about infertility through this magazine article and so she's like and now there's been like over 10,000 babies born because of this program like through like IVF treatment or like through freezing eggs and stuff like that that's fucking wild like that is really cool I'm sure that there's there's a ton of survivor advocacy stuff and like live strong I think is such it's such a bummer that it did go the way it went because like talk about a viral marketing campaign i don't think anything is bigger than a livestrong bracelet like a 2000s trend that certainly will not be making a comeback um i don't even know where people got those were they at the grocery store i feel like everybody got them at like little events like i sold the saved our four bracelets but i never had a livestrong but everybody else so many people did i just think with with a lot of cheating across all sports and a lot of stories of abuse, and I think that PEDs go hand in hand with abuse. I don't think a lot of athletes sign up and, you know, are the best on their team and the best athlete that, you know, like, I think especially when you're at that level, like, you're always exceptional. You're always the best in class. You're always the best in this. And then you get somewhere and they're telling you your best is not good enough. You have to enhance your body with this foreign body, with this, you know. And it's not going to be yours anymore. And if you get caught, it's all over. And then none of your none of your wins get to be clean. And I just think that that can't be good for the human soul, right? Like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And when you're doing it, I'm sure it's like, okay, but this is leveling the playing field. And there's so much, like a lot of athletes talk about how they can only do it because they know that other people are doing it. And so... Not to be too cool, but um, I've watched a lot of CrossFit documentaries because I think the CrossFit games are fucking hilarious. Um, it's competitive working out. If you've never seen it, I don't recommend any of the documentaries that never see that good, but they are like fun to watch. Like, get high. Basically, like the guy who was on the podium in like third place got caught in post after after winning, and they have on camera him getting handed drugs by his brother. And it's like, yeah. And he says, like, the rest of the field is cheating, too. And then Matt Frazier, who was the winner for, like, six years in a row, five years in a row, six years in a row, he went on a podcast. It was Joe Rogan's podcast, but I really don't like that I've seen even, like, <laughs> ugh, I hate clips from Joe Rogan's podcast. But he was talking about how CrossFit is not good at testing, basically. And... Um, how they give you 24 hours notice, which 
again, a lot of PEDs have a half-life of 12 hours, so like that's plenty of time to cycle them out of your system. You can have no-shows because this isn't like an official government body. And um, there are plenty of people who are cycling off before they get to the next competition. And then, you know, it's not technically because you're in off-season. And there's a lot of stuff, too, that I think people who do performance-enhancing drugs or are quote-unquote clean but taking a lot of supplements um, and are basically just doing things that haven't been banned yet. Um, I always think of the Regina George scene where she's like, giving her the calteen bars and she's like, it's all in Swedish. And she's like, yeah, there's something in them that's not approved in the U.S. yet. And she's like, ephedrine? Phenermine. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, Regina would know all the fucking speed ones that are not... Not available in the U.S., but why does this matter? I think a lot of times with um, with doping in particular, there's a lot of emphasis on, like, what if your kid is doing this sport and they see that their their professional heroes are all doping, and so did, you know, did they think they have to dope in order to compete at that level? And it's like, they might. They might think that. And you know what? They they might be right. Because if that's what it is, then that's what it is. And maybe you should think about becoming a professional athlete. Like, again, I don't think I ever finished the Tua thing. <laughs> the New York Magazine article made me so mad. Because the guy ends it by basically saying, like, well, they know what they signed up for. Is this, this is a fucking bachelor. And I'm still going to watch football anyway. And it's like, okay, get a hobby. Truly. Like, find something else to do. Like, I promise you will be able to. But I think that, like, the trickle-down effect of, like, these, like, the football players, football players are all fucking doing roids, uh, these professional athletes, like, looking the way they look, getting photographed the way they are, like, all of the dehydration that happens on major movie sets because Hugh Jackman now has to have a 16-pack when, like, we all thought he was hot in the first Wolverine movie. If you've never seen that side-by-side, it's fucking wild. Like, men's health magazine covers do not look the way that, like, women find men's bodies to look the most beautiful I think a lot of the time it's just like the most ripped version of it I don't actually think that that's like certainly not female gaze so it's just like male gaze and it's what they've done to themselves which is really sad because nobody even likes it including them but I think that like when you look at you can literally track the rise of um, PEDs in like casual gym culture just like high schoolers college guys like dudes who just like go after school like CrossFit I think is a big part of this I think there's a lot of PED culture in CrossFit you see it in Vanderpump Rules when Stassi goes over to Jax's house and dumps all of his steroids down the sink in a great scene. Um, Gymshark influencers, you can like track how their bodies changed over the years because at first Gymshark was like, we want to only work with people who like look real and are like working out and making their body look like something that's like attainable by, by working out. And now it's like all ripped dudes. <laughs> Um, Bachelor in Paradise had some trickle-down effect recently. All of those dudes came back severely roided out. It is nuts. Their shoulders are so broad and their heads are the same size. (laughs) But, like, I, you know, I think, like, when the bodies that are supposed to get doping under control are corrupt because they have a vested interest in these sports continuing the way they've continued because more people than ever before are watching them and it's easier to get people to watch when people are doing incredible inhumane feats of strength the thing is i think if you want to destroy your body with peds that's your right it's your body you're allowed to do with it what you want 
we should just have a league for it. I think if people want to do steroids and we want to see what the human body is capable of, and like Mikhail Ferrari is like the creepiest man alive and is like, oh, we haven't even seen what's close. Like we could do so much more. I think he's right. I think you could, you can make superhuman, like there's certain things where just like, oh, Michael Phelps doesn't produce that much lactic acid. Cool. Good for him. It's apparently really easy for him to walk off. If you watch some CrossFit stuff, Laura Horvath is an athlete that like doesn't need to recover. She's like always good to go. As long as it's not a gymnastics based event, she's going to walk off that floor. And I just think like when your testing protocols are bad, you're, you're trying not to find it because it's not fun to find it. Cause then you have to deal with it and dealing with it is lame. And you have to ban people from the sport. And like the guy who got caught three years ago came back to the sport this year. And it's like, I have no trust that this guy isn't, you know, like as a spectator, like I don't believe that he's not doping. He doped, his brother doped. Like he clearly doesn't have like a moral issue with it. When he got caught, he said like everybody else is doing it too. And then everybody else had to be like, I don't even take Advil. Um, but I just think that, like, it's not pleasurable to watch these sports where everybody is, like, nearly dying. Like, I I understand that I am not a fan of American football. And I'm trying to think of stuff that, like, if I was told I can't watch that, I would just be like, no, but it's really important to my personality. Because even movies that I, like, love, I have absolutely stopped watching because I'm like, oh, nope, that person is a bad person and I don't like watching the media they're in. I do think that that is one of the benefits of owning physical media is that if you already own the thing, they're not making any money off of you playing that. Like, um, you can play it in the privacy of your own home and it's not adding to any data. It's not, it's not telling the algorithm that this person is relevant to you and your life. It is just putting on a record at home of somebody who has said some very dumb shit recently that you don't agree with in the slightest, but it's a talented person. And the thing is, I know I could do that with movies, but I just don't like, I don't like watching actors or like know that people like work with, like whenever a David, David or Russell's new movie bombed and I'm like, thank God, can we stop pretending that he was a good director? Can anybody tell me what happened in American Hustle? I feel like Tina Fey called it explosion at the wig factory. And that's like, yep, absolutely. Um... What else do I have written down here? The stories make the sports unappealing. I think that that's where we're at with a lot of sports. It's just like, it's a bummer to watch it. It's a bummer to know what happened with American gymnastics. I don't trust that a lot of kids are protected in any sport. I think that that was one of the um, more interesting... Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so sorry. My cat will not leave me alone. (laughs) That was one of the more horrifying parts of the cheer season two documentary that came out was just the mom talking about how, um, trigger warning, like content warning of sexual abuse of minors, um, talking about how Jerry, how she had found out about, about the abuse happening between Jerry and her sons. And it's fucking wild. And she's like, I called safe sport and they were supposed to do something and they didn't do anything. And it's like, cheerleading is one of those sports, like particularly elite cheerleading where like, I just get really worried And I get really worried about dance kids. Like, I just, it's such, it's a sport where, like, I think there's a lot of, like, no, that's not a sexualized costume. That's just what dance costumes look like. And it's like, yeah, look at the evolution of a dance costume over the last 20 years and tell me that it's not inherently way more sexualized. Like, I actually, I think it's okay to have rules like we do in 
varsity cheerleading for high schools and even colleges that you can't show midriff, I think that that's actually just like a good uniform rule. Um, You don't need to. These are children. They should be performing in more than a sports bra because they're kids. Like, it's that fucking simple. And if you have a sport that's known to attract predators to it, you should be taking every single precautionary step that you can to protect the children who are in your ward. And I just feel like dance and cheerleading and gymnastics are all tied up in these really gross, gross cultures where it's excused and it's acceptable and it's the uniform and it's part of it. And I just like, if I was a parent, I would just so deeply hesitate. And like, I would be doing background checks on every single coach there because these coaches move from gym to gym and complaints follow. The U.S. National Women's Soccer League just had a whole huge expose about how these coaches were being fired for sexual harassment, move on to another team and then wished well in public being like, oh, it was so great to, you know, like we will miss you, coach. Like, women need to be safe to do sport, and so do all children. And it's just, like, it's really heartbreaking. And I think that roids are a part of it because they're becoming this, like, ultra-competitive thing. And, like, I'm very worried about the professionalization, especially of children's sports, where it's, like, these skills are too hard. I think there's, like, a proliferation of talent because kids can develop it very specifically because they can go online and basically, like, teach themselves how to do things. But I'm really worried about it because I think, like, a lot of these young athletes that we're seeing who are like we're seeing like every year I feel like it gets younger and younger like the the stars of stuff and I know that that's not always true and like with gymnastics we've had like a, a little shift to a slightly older demographic and I think especially like as um NCAA gymnastics took off people were looking at that because a lot of former Olympians are going there even though that used to be kept very separate so I think that's good I think like again if your sport is best done by 14 year olds it's not a sport I just really hope for like the athlete's sake that sports get to be fun again and um, you shouldn't have to cheat in order to compete and with cycling doping is still a huge issue Lance Armstrong basically got special treatment because he was selling cycling to the world and then as soon as he stopped competing everybody got busted again uh the Festina affair is really fucking fascinating it happened in like 1997 they like caught um a team's car coming over the French border with a bunch of drugs and basically everybody got everybody got tested and like the tour like 200 people had to drop out and like riders like refused to race and stuff because they were like trying to make a stand, but it was fucking, it was nuts. And then the next year they were like, great, this is going to be the slowest tour ever to prove that nobody's on drugs. And it was the fastest tour ever. And that was the first one Lance won. <laughs> like, whoops, tour of suspicion. But um, yeah, and Lance was doing nutso stuff that other people definitely weren't doing. And then when he came back in 2007, um, he was riding for his old coach. And one of the reasons that it came out again is because the, Floyd Landis, who won the year after um, Lance retired the first time, and then Floyd was caught um, like basically immediately. And then oh, they show his press conference in the 30 for 30, and he cannot lie. He is so shaky. It's tragic. Basically, they had a vested interest in protecting Lance. So when he was there, he didn't get busted. But then when he came back, he was slow and he wanted to win. And he was on this team with this guy, Alberto Contador. And I just want to bring up Contador because when he got caught with some steroid stuff, with some like HGH stuff, 
He said that it must have been a hormone from the steak he ate. That is some grade A bullshit. And I'm saying that knowing full well that Lance Armstrong passed off a cortisone sample coming back positive by saying he was using a cortisone cream for saddle sores. Um, Because thankfully he was injecting the type that you can also find in topicals and pills. So they were able to come up with a saddle sore thing, go to a pharmacy, buy it, squeeze some out and bring it back. And that was Emma O'Reilly who eventually um, told an Irish, she's Irish and she told an Irish reporter, David Walsh, who wrote the book about Lance that was only published in France because libel laws and blah, 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 um, about the fact that she had used makeup to cover up syringe marks and like disposed of the syringes and stuff. And she was the one who they made go buy the cortisol cream. So, um, yep. Funny that Irish people are at the center of it. There's a ton of Irish people who hate Lance Armstrong. Like, I don't know why there's a ton of mean, not mean, but like snarky Irish reporters in all the documentaries. So you just always hear like these Irish guys fighting with Lance. It's great. Um, Yeah, I think sports journalism is also interesting, but I just think that sports represent a lot of things and they don't get to do that when everybody's cheating and um fair play is like really important and I think it I think like sports matters so much and we really emphasize the wrong things and like teamwork and like we emphasize winning so much that that becomes like really crushing when teams can't get it together and I think like coaching is a skill it's an art form um And I've had some bad coaches in my life. And when I look back at what they did, I'm just like, yikes. But I've had some really great teachers um, and like really great instructors. And I think it's just says a lot about coaching. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think Johan Bernil was a bad coach, (laughs) had a bad influence. And he was like, yeah, doping's great. Doping's good. And in the world of cycling, you, you do dope. Uh, and they were doing blood. So gross. But um, also just a fun fact in cycling, there's this whole conspiracy theory slash probably true theory that there's a thing where people insert like automatic motors that like help, uh, you know, spin the wheels, pedal, pedal faster. And it's called motor doping because it's tiny motors. It's so dumb. Motor doping. Ugh, they got busted for motor doping. Terrible. Terrible. Well, my cats are about to throw a revolt because I should have fed them before I started doing this. I'm just looking through my notes really quick. Um, but I will link the Victor Conte article, the interviews, and um, probably one of the Lance documentaries. I do really enjoy a Lance Armstrong documentary. There's way more to say, but I don't, I don't want to get too in the weeds. I just think that um it's really it's it says a lot about influence and who you know and how he was able to kind of use his celebrity for evil is is pretty fascinating so thanks so much for listening um this has been smoke show um please subscribe if you haven't if you want to leave a review that'd be even um even sweeter of you you can always follow me on twitter at hi claire that's high with two eyes And yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, This week is pretty nuts. So I'm excited to get to give a bunch of gifts. I got them all gathered up and I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) I think I I did okay for this birthday round. So I'm pretty excited. But now I got to go get brand new mix tomorrow morning so that I can make them tomorrow night after I go see Rachel Bloom. 
Um, so it'll be really fun. Um, anyway, thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.